Hello. Hello. For the episode, we have a new review to shout out. Review, 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 review. If you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, you'll get your very own badass lady meter rating. We are currently only doing this for reviews left on the U.S. Apple Podcasts platform. I'm sorry. It's really hard to get access to the other reviews. Maybe someday we'll figure it out. (laughs) This review was left by Emily Trivet One. Our Badass Lady Meter rating for you is the childhood imaginary dragon character that I'm sure you had, as I did, coming to life and hanging out for an afternoon, having some tea. That's awesome. Taking you on a little forest journey. Having high tea with those little tiny cakes. Oh. Bigger ones for the dragon. The highest of teas. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And now the episode. Yeah. Hello. Hello. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. And we're Dragon Babies. Dragon Babies. We reread our favorite YA fantasy classics and discuss why they may be even better for adults. Yes. This week, East by Edith Patu. Wind whooshing, like. <laughs> this was a listener request from Hannah. Thank you so much, Hannah, for requesting this beautiful book. It was released in 2003, uh, so neither of us have read it before, but it is very much in line with some of our favorite YA fantasy books, and I'm so glad that we're about to. Dive into the icy wilderness, probably seasonally not the right time (laughs) to read this book. Although I was glad that it wasn't actually cold outside while I was reading. Yes. And I did. Very chilly stuff. Yeah. During the heat wave, like uh, a month back when it got up to like 107 out here and no one has air conditioning, I did watch, like we rewatched The Terror Mm, because. This made me think of The Terror. Yes. More than a few moments. Me too. Me too. Um, shout out to the man bear. <laughs> the tune box. Someone said the man bear. I was like, oh boy. Oh boy, tune box. Yeah, but reading or watching something that's set in a cold area when you're very hot can uh, trick your it mind. It can honestly help. <laughs> I've been doing this with Breath of the Wild for years. If nice. I'm feeling too cold, I go to the desert. <laughs> I'm feeling too hot. I go up to uh, Hebra, as I'm choosing to pronounce it. I don't know how anything's pronounced. No one talks in that game. We do thoroughly spoil every book that we cover. So if you haven't checked this one out before, I definitely recommend it. It is dreamy, poetic, and beautiful. Yeah. So go scurry along and pick it up. So the cover of the one that I read... Um, it, it was the audiobook on Audible where I got it. Uh, it's got the big, huge uh, bear, man, bear, bear, man, white bear. <laughs> and it, what does one call a white bear? And he's like striding. Uh, uh, you can see the bottom of his uh, paw pad is up, and it's just like covered in fur and snow, which I like that detail a lot. And uh, right next to him um, is walking Rose. Like she has her hand kind of on the rough of his neck. Um, And they look like they're 
going on an adventure together. Like mm-hmm. I I like this cover a lot. The the bear looks super fluffy but also scary because polar bears are scary. <laughs> and uh, um Rose looks like I really like her outfit. Um I I like her tapered leather boot there. Um just, I wonder if it continues on the back. I'd like to see the rest of because I think she it might does. be wearing her cape. Hannah sent us images of her cover, and it's really beautiful. The northern lights are on the back. Something to note, this book was originally released under the title North Child. I thought at first that it was um, that the title was just different in the U.S. versus the U.K. and other uh, countries, um, but, it was but actually, I think like, it was changed. originally North Child, and then it became East. I couldn't tell you why. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like choices. North Child is a stronger title than East. Are there any more? Like, is it a series? There's another one that's called West. So, do you think that it had something to do with that? That's all. <laughs> Instead I of naming think. it North Child and South Adult, right? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> something a little more poetic. Yeah, I I think that's probably why. Like East West. Yeah, Hannah's cover has the northern lights on it with a compass slash windrows outline around Rose and the white the white bear. Um, and then more northern lights on the back. It's very beautiful. Cool. Yeah, something I really like about this cover is that there's a lot of emotion in both, I feel, Rose and the white yeah. bear's faces. Yeah, and you can tell that they're soulful. in their journey together. Yeah. I think a lot... I feel like there would be impulses to put like Rose looking like she's fighting a white bear on the cover or some right. adding in some conflict. Yeah. And instead it really does look like, hey, these two are just trying to get by and they're just working to get as home. a team. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and such a long journey it is. Yeah. Dang. So I will provide a plot summary for those who are unfamiliar. It's a long plot. It is a long book, but the plot is a lot more straightforward than the last book we covered, Trickster's Choice. That's a good point. Thanks, Edith. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate that. Yeah. So the book is about Rose, a teen who lives in Norway. We're in 16th century Norway. We realize at the very end of the book, I spent a lot of time gently puzzling over what year might it well, be. Well, you get some like actual historical details at the end of the book. Right. Yeah. Um, but I did feel a little unmoored, but in a nice fairy tale sort of way that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Um, and exactly. she lives with her parents and siblings um, on a farm that they work. There's her, a bunch of them. Rose is one of eight children total. Um, her parents are, they have a lot of kids because her mom is very superstitious. I I mean, it seems they also want a lot of children, but her mom wants to have a child for every point of a compass, Mm -hmm. um, except for North. North is bad. North bad. Because a, uh, first of all, a North child is theoretically going to be a wanderer and want to stray far from home adventuring. Yeah. And her mom also hears a prophecy from a, I can't remember the Norwegian word for it, uh, but a fortune teller of sorts who 
prophecy is that if she has a northbound child, she will die in an avalanche of snow and ice. Not a very nice thing to say. You don't want that. So she has all of her children for all the appropriate points. And then sadly, one passes away. So she and her husband have another child. But she's born during a really wild storm while they're in out the in the woods. Yeah. It's very intense. <laughs> her dad is like, oh boy, I'm not good at being an ob guy. Yeah, like, <laughs> I'm not a midwife. <laughs> um, but they make it out. But... Rose wasn't actually born facing the direction she was supposed to face, which I believe was east. Yeah. East. (laughs) Um, She's not born in the direction she was supposed to be born facing. She is actually born facing north. But her mom refuses to acknowledge this. Yeah. She just like won't have it. Yeah. And, (laughs) And essentially rewrites history and says, no, that's not what happened. This is her direction. That's Rose. She's our protagonist. And as she grows up, she doesn't quite fit into the personality type that her mom is expecting for her. Um, She's very, like, willful and adventurous and doesn't want to sit around at home. She wants to be exploring and getting into scrapes. Yeah. And her closest friend is her brother, Nettie. They're, they're like making a modest living at the beginning of the book, but they Their encounter take a turn. Yeah, they encounter a series of issues that lead to the farm not producing and them becoming very poor. Also, their dad's not good at being a farmer. Like he was a map maker by trade, but he wasn't good at running the map making business. Mm-hmm. And it also like the business wasn't in great state when he got it. Yeah, but he's very talented at drawing maps and wind roses or compasses. He's a creative. Um, he, he's a creative type. Um, so the farm has fallen on hard times and they're going to need to leave because the landowner is saying, okay, you just stopped paying rent, so I'm kicking you out of here. Mm-hmm. Sarah, one of Rose's sisters, has also fallen very ill. And there's nothing the family can really do because they can't afford to send her to a larger city to get expert medical help. It's distressingly topical. Yes. <laughs> um, and so they are really struggling and they're just not sure what to do. Then one day, a white bear comes to the farm and says, I will make Sarah well if Rose comes and comes away with me. Um, And the family is like, huh. (laughs) Uh, Well. Okay. Okay. (laughs) First thoughts, no. (laughs) Um, But after some reflection and after Rose insisting, it is the the only thing that she will do. Right. Rose enters into it of her own free will like she Mm -hmm. wants to. But from the beginning, mom is like, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Mom says yes. Dad says no. (laughs) Immediately mom says yes. Like Rose and her mother have a complicated relationship. Um, I have a complicated relationship with her mom and the way she's written, but we'll talk more about that later. Yeah, her mom's rough. Um, And ultimately Rose does go with the bear against her father and other siblings' wishes because she uh, feels that it's really the only solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
She and the bear travel for a week's time over land and through water. She's wrapped in a seal skin and carried in the bear's mouth while the bear swims, which is very cool. Yeah. Um, And they arrive at a stone castle in a mountain. And it's there that Rose's lonely life begins. Um, She lives in the castle with the bear and with two servants who won't really speak to her, um, but who are kind of mysterious and maybe not human. Yeah, like they look humanoid, but Mm -hmm. not human. They have rough, ridged skin. Mm -hmm. And Rose tries to find ways to pass the time and figure out why she's there, why she's there, what's going on. But she doesn't get too terribly far. Um, And ultimately she is communicating with the bear a little bit. He can talk sometimes. He seems to have more human moments where she sees a sort of spark in his eyes, Mm -hmm. but then more animalistic moments where he's very scary. Yeah. Um, and Rose, so she's very talented at weaving and sewing and she finds a loom and works there and creates these beautiful gowns. Um, and the bear sees her wearing one of them and seems to have a moment of, oh my, yeah, (laughs) runs away. Um, She's also having something very disturbing happen, which is after she's been at the castle for a while, at night, someone comes and sleeps in her bed with her, just like on the other side of the bed. But she hears them quietly come in and lay down and sleep there. And she feels like she's a bit enchanted during this time because she can't talk to them or touch them or like really look at them or get a light to stay on and all of the lights she attempts to keep lit immediately go out when the person figure whatever comes into her room Mm -hmm. yeah so there's no way she can see them she notices the figure shivering at one point she feels it yeah because she can't she can't see him yeah but she she feels the shivers and (laughs) she creates a nightshirt for them out of white bear fur that she's gathered up from around the castle which you know great idea for me I've been saving my cat's fur for years you guys have a distressingly just a casual tidbit that I'm dropping right now (laughs) as if that's normal hey I think you could probably make it into like a small sweater by now (laughs) pretty cool people will do that for you on the internet pretty cool Uh, But that reminded me of that. But she makes the figure a nightshirt, and then the figure starts wearing that every night. She puts a little brooch shaped like a flute or a flauto, as it is called. Which (laughs) is like, I kept thinking, like, my brain kept hearing flauta, like flautas. Yes, I (laughs) thought of flautas a lot. It made me hungry. Flauto. Um, And where's the little brooch at the top? so Rose becomes very depressed because she is trapped in the castle. She can't see the outdoors. It is spring, spring coming on at this point, I believe. Um, and she's just like, I, this can't be in my life forever. She stops eating and is not doing well. And the bear notices this and asks her what's going on. And she says, I have to see my family or I think I'm going to die. 
So he agrees to take her for a month-long visit with her family. And during this time, she is mostly just trying to have a normal daily life for a bit. Um, She is not allowed to talk about the castle. The bear... Great harm, he says. Yeah, the bear is scared of what might happen if she does. And it doesn't seem that he's going to harm her. It seems like harm will befall them. Yeah, because obviously he's enchanted. Like, (laughs) something's up. I'm trying to build to something here, but... (laughs) You can just cut that. Shatter it. No, it's it's clear that yes, he is under an enchantment. He's clearly a human, and there's something weird going on. I mean, Rose even figures out that it's most likely him as mm-hmm. a human who's coming and sleeping with her at night. And she um, that's why she's being so curious, is because she's being like, How do I figure out what the heck's going on here? Like what what am I supposed to be doing? Mm-hmm. Why won't anyone talk to me? But Which, she, you know, but then she gets depressed and she can't really yeah. get there yet. Mm-hmm. So while she's home with her family, that gives her some strength and resolve to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Also, she's told to not be alone with her mom when she is home. Um, and there are a few moments her mom kind of snatches. And in one of these, she gives Rose, before she leaves to go back to the White Bear's castle, a special candle and flint that she says will always stay lit, no matter what. Given to her by the evil troll minion okay, who well, lives we next don't door. No, that's <laughs> yes. <laughs> but a, a fortune teller in town who's like a traveling merchant who just showed up recently and then disappears very mysteriously immediately after Rose leaves. And it's because of her superstitions that she is going and seeing the fortune teller. Um, so Rose goes back and she feels strengthened and ready to figure out what it is that she needs to do to help the white bear. Yes. She starts playing some music, learning how to play the flute poorly. Um, and she starts learning the language that the younger of the two servants in the castle speaks um he seems to be maybe a child even though he just looks like a small man um and he gets very excited to teach her words but it's slow going because all they can really do is point at objects and then each say their language's word for them um so not a lot of sentence structure not a lot of verbs (laughs) It's, it's tough but she's learning But as she tries to get more detailed information about what's going on with the white bear, what might be happening, the other servant who seems to be the mom of the little boy servant um, notices and doesn't really allow him to speak with her anymore. Rose feels super frustrated. She's not getting any closer. So one night she decides that she's going to try the candle. So she lights it once the bear has gotten in bed with her, or the figure, (laughs) and turns and looks, and it's a beautiful man with golden hair. (laughs) He's described so lusciously that I just, like, I don't know, with an air of such handsomeness Mm -hmm. that I uh, just pictured handsome Squidward with, like, flowing blonde hair. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Probably not what he looks like. So though. she turns and it's handsome Squidward <laughs> sleeping. Asleep. 
Um, and then she spills some candle wax onto his nightshirt. And he wakes up and is like, no. Yeah. And then everything freaks out and the castle sort of crumbles away and bells begin ringing and the troll queen arrives. And Rose is right away like, oh, dang, (laughs) I've messed up. This isn't good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I should have mentioned this earlier, but we've been getting different points of view chapter to chapter throughout the book. So we've gotten these little mysterious snippets from the troll queen that don't contain a lot of information, but enough to let us know that she tried to steal a boy Her dad got really upset and set this complex curse, Mm -hmm. um, which did have different components that could be satisfied in order to write things Mm -hmm. um, and lead to different outcomes. It's it's very complicated. Choose your own adventure. It's very complex. Choose your own adventure curse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the boy would have to live as a white bear for 150 years. And if during this time he had a young maiden come live with him of her free will for a year, he would be free and would be a human again. And they were really close. They were in the last month of that year. And his 150 years are almost up as well. So he's been a bear for a long time. But if she were to see his face during the night of these evenings when he climbs into bed. When he's a human. When he's a human, then the troll queen would own him forever. Yeah. So she saw his face. The troll queen's here to collect. And she takes him away. As he's leaving, he says... We're going east of the sun and west of the moon. And that is all that Rose knows. So from that point, she, you know, she has some options. She could be like, I'm going to go home. (laughs) Um, That was a bad year. Um, But at this point, she sees the desperation in the white bear man's eyes. And she recognizes that he needs help. And she also cares for him. And we've got a... Beauty and the Beast style thing going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. She loves him, although he's a lot nicer to her than the Beast is too. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, and he was, that's what I was thinking too, is it's different from Beauty and the Beast because he was like an innocent little boy who was right. actually being really nice. <laughs> right. <laughs> and he got transformed. And yeah, and I mean. And in Beauty and the Beast, wasn't he like a very vain and spoiled yes. prince or something? Yeah, he was. And, yeah. and this white bear boy man is also a prince. Um, but he's like a nice little child. But he's a nice prince. I don't um, know. It's, it seems like he didn't deserve to be punished. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah, I think he There's was. There's no argument. No, for that. no. He was just randomly chosen because he was, he was cute and a prince. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, so Rose decides that she's going to try to uh, find him, but first she has to get out of this freezing wood, 
um, because the castle just disappeared and she has nothing. Yeah, it's pretty messed up. Um, she has like her few belongings that she brought back with her. So she tries to survive on like honey and toffee um, that her mom gave her uh, as she's like crawling her way out of the frozen wilderness. Um, she almost dies, but a friendly French farm lady who lives in the woods finds her she and her daughter she and her daughter nurse rose back to health um they play games she learns some french it's very fun yeah and then they help her find a ship that's sailing north because they show her on a map where she is and she is really stunned because she's in france very far away um very far from norway And she needs to get way back north to try to figure out where the white bear has gone. Mm -hmm. Um, She meets Thor, a drunk captain, and his two men. And she barters her way onto their ship by saying that she'll cook. Um, Things go okay at first. And then there is a horrible storm. She survives. The two men are swept overboard and Thor gets injured pretty badly. And you can, you can, you know, obviously the storm is really bad. So things could have gone that way either way. But Thor makes the decision to have the sails up and like once the storm hits and he's like, well, ride her out. It's like, okay, you're just death wishing at this point maybe don't be blackout drunk when you're steering a boat through the open seas yeah just think about it yeah and he's the captain so when he says that his men have to just be like okay although they do overturn the decision by the the point where the ship is breaking Yeah, yeah it's too late so rose has to not only sustain her own spirit but that of the captains um, has to keep giving him booze because yeah i just kept saying at this point i was like he's not going to drink water and he actually needs beer or things are going to get worse yeah it'll be even more let's not add in alcohol (laughs) withdrawal to all of the other issues going on let's put that one off a bit yeah so she learns things about sailing she works real hard and the two of them somehow make it to land and they land in Greenland. Gronland. Gronland. <laughs> They're using the Norwegian language terms for all of these places throughout the book, which also adds to the fairy tale feel. Yes. Yeah. Um, so when they land on the beach, she meets a woman named Malmo and some of her people. She is a shaman and she is Inuit and she is. Uh, trying to she's invested in trying to help rose um rose tells her the story of everything that's happened and she says that her her animal is a white bear um and that she feels that she can help so thor stays uh at her settlement um because he's just pretty useless at this point And uh, Malmo and Rose head north. Malmo tells her that there is something called the Ice Bridge, which connects the northern part of the human world to uh, Niflheim. (laughs) Am I pronouncing that correctly? I think so, yeah. Which is like the troll world. Um, But they're seeing it more as just like a 
maybe spirit world, maybe unknown, not Is really I, sure, but another land that of ice. I've definitely heard Niflheim a lot, like in Norse mythology. Mm-hmm. Yes. Stuff. So they take that treacherous, very long journey to the North Pole um, through all of Greenland. And they have some mishaps along the way, like a weeks-long blizzard where they have to just live in a little snow hut. Yeah, they just have to hunker down. And tell stories with a story knife. And a bear also attacks Rose at one point, but Malmo speaks to the bear and leads it away and helps it find food. Um, They eat a lot of seal meat. (laughs) Yeah. And ultimately, they cross-country ski and kayak their way all the way up, and they find the ice bridge. And at that point, Mama says, I need to go back. I've been away too long. And then she turns into a bird and flies away, yes. which is pretty much the coolest exit that pretty you dope. can have. And, uh, presumably because she's a bird and she's going to get back pretty quick. She leaves all of her supplies for yes. Rose. She leaves everything for Rose, which yeah. is very helpful. It yeah. is cold and she needs all the help she can get. She uses seal claws to crawl across the ice bridge because it's very slippery. I just kept thinking of old Mario, Super Mario games in the ice worlds. (laughs) Sliding around. And you don't have control. Turning around like, no! (laughs) You slide off the edge. You slide off the edge. (laughs) A silly image, but very frustrating. She makes it across and it's even icier and spikier and colder and there's this cutting wind that just doesn't stop. But when she's hunkering in a cave one day after weeks of traveling toward the ice castle that she can see in the distance, she notices a group of humans who are being taken in a sleigh to the castle by some trolls. Um, And she disguises herself and kind of hops onto the sleigh with them. Yeah. And then she becomes a servant for the trolls. Um, One step closer. Oh, my God. It's just so agonizing. It's like, okay, you've gotten slightly closer to achieving your goal. But But there's now you're enslaved. Now, like, weeks more of tedious, painful experiences. Yeah. (laughs) Biding your time. A lot happens at this point. She... Essentially, day-to-day, she's avoiding drinking the drugged slank is the name of the beverage that's given to everyone drinks it. It like keeps you warm and keeps you going. But the servants are giving one that has a special powder in it that makes them kind of stupid and compliant, and dull, um, and yeah, unable to really think for themselves or try to escape. But escape is useless anyway because they are truly... At the edge of the world. Yeah, there's nowhere for them to go. She realizes that there is a wedding being planned and the servants are being worked very hard to prepare for this grand wedding that's going to be between the troll queen and Mick, as they call him. So she realizes that the white bear man is Mick and she's trying to figure out, like, does he want this? Is he happy to get married? Um, And she ends up creating a 
little troll mask for herself um, that is very lifelike because she is a master weaver. Um, And she attends the event the night before the wedding Mm -hmm. when all the trolls have come together to dance for 12 hours or whatever it is. Fancy troll party. (laughs) Very fancy troll party. Um, And wears one of her magnificent dresses that she made back in the castle. Uh, So at that event she sees the queen and Mick looking at each other with love and is like oh my god what am I doing flees gets on a reindeer goes back to her cave to try to get her stuff and just head out but then she's like you know what hey here's the field where the trolls put all of the humans that they that get too old or that they get tired of to freeze to death. That's not good. Yeah. And if this is, this is what, some war crimes. This is the way that the this ruler, this queen reigns, then there is no way that he actually wants to be married to her. Like yeah. something else is going on. So she goes back and she through a series of events, um, by the way, Tuki, the younger of the servants Tukey's who the she lived in the castle with, she found him and the two of them have helped each other try to right this terrible wrong that's about yeah. to take place. So Mick plays his flauto. They're about to get married. And then he says to the queen, I have a custom from my land wherein I need the my betrothed to wash a piece of my clothing and she's like fine and she he presents the white nightshirt with the drops of wax on it and she tries to wash it with soap and with magic and the stain is just like getting darker and more intense and it's stiffening and then Rose comes out of the audience with her troll disguise on and says, can I wash the shirt? Yeah. <laughs> and by this time, we've fully devolved into just like, what is happening? Yeah. And yet the trolls are all like, whisper, whisper, whisper. What is it? Whisper, whisper. Yeah. Um, Rose succeeds in washing the shirt. It's beautiful and white again. And she holds it aloft. And then sweet little Tukey says, Rose shall marry the prince. And then the the queen, then the troll queen obliterates them. But in doing so, she calls down sunlight to strike him and destroys her entire palace. So it crumbles around them. So Tukey is is sacrificed. Tukey is sacrificed. And the prophecy becomes true because Rose is buried under an avalanche of snow and ice. But she doesn't die. she doesn't die. She and the white bear man tunnel their way out. In the process, they... Free all of the humans who have been used as servants and they through a long perilous death-filled journey lots of talk of corpses being disposed of and buried yeah, they lose a lot of folks um uh, travel back south and as they make it back to the fjord where she first landed in greenland with thor there is a ship there with her dad and her brother netty netty <laughs> <laughs> And they, uh, everyone reunites. Um, And in the end, the white bear man goes back to the stone castle, 
because he's like, how can I live in the world when I don't even know my name? Yeah. Like, I have no understanding of who I am as a human. He's feeling very soul searchy. He is. But he finds his little diary that he had when he first came there. His name is written on the first page. His name is Charles. And he and Rose are like, we love each other. And now we can say it because we both have names. <laughs> And that's the end. They get married, they have babies, and they live near the stone castle, which weird choice. In weird, my weird, weird. But I guess, you know. Um, and that is that. I also didn't mention, but throughout the extra perspectives that we get throughout the book, we learn that her dad, Sarah, gets well after she goes away with the bear. Her dad becomes a map maker. Her family gets wealthy. There's like a rich beneficiary who shows up and is like, you're talented. Here's some money. Your daughter's hot. Let's get married. Let's here's a ship like Nettie. Go be a scholar. (laughs) Yeah. Everything works out. Um, he is he is like a very kind man. He also helps all of the servants who have been stolen from around the world get home to their mm-hmm. countries. So, yeah. Soren, that's his name. Anyway, I guess we're ending with Soren for whatever reason. He, when he shows up to quote unquote evict them, what he actually he like his mean his lawyer crony. or whatever had been <laughs> managing the property and he's the one making the eviction threats mm. and he wanted to check out the people and be like, oh, if they're like cool, then I'll help them out we don't, I don't have to kick them off the land um yeah. so that's nice and everyone's like we don't know if it was because of Rose right uh, yeah. that this happened because we, we actually don't like the we never see the white bear like giving this bounty no and it's it I don't think we ever learn about that piece of the curse if there is something related to like the white bear having powers of his own Maybe, yeah, um, Because right. I imagine that it's something baked into that because the curse is so it. specific. Like it has the stipulation that no n- no one of the Hildor people, which is the troll race, can refuse any request made by the white bear, yeah. which is why he can make the troll queen wash a piece of clothing. Um, but they, the only one they can deny is him asking to go free. Um, and then if he comes up with his own rules for how he can escape the curse, then he can escape the curse, which is why the washing works. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, it's like, a okay. very complicated curse. No, I mean, I'm into it. I wish all curses had like these little back doors. <laughs> so the end. Um, this is the first book in a two book series. The second is called West and the blurb says that Charles goes missing on a voyage and Rose has to find him. Yes. Okay. So let's old new impressions, no old impressions. So let's just do new impressions. What did you think of this book? I enjoyed this book very much. I thought it was a cool mix of, uh, classic fantasy and more modern YA Mm -hmm. fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, I uh, loved all of the Norse uh, mythology influences. That was really cool. Um, As well as the uh, um, Inuit mythology as Mm -hmm. well, kind of woven in there. Um, The really, really bleak climate while also being really beautiful. I mean, it made me think a lot about like I in real life that setting doesn't work well for me at all but in video games one of it it's so 
peaceful to run around in the super snowy parts because it's really quiet and there's there's usually like really beautiful atmospheric music. Mm-hmm. Like I'm thinking especially of like Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Um, Breath of the Wild has what like lots of games have those parts. Um, Lotro used to spend a lot of time in the Misty Mountains. Um, that's also definitely what I'm thinking at. And uh, I, I really got that kind of peaceful feeling mm-hmm. while I was reading this book, even though there was a lot of bad stuff happening. I thought it was pretty funny when at first it was just narratively members of Rose's fa- Rose, mm-hmm. Nettie, Father, and then suddenly it's White Bear followed by Troll Queen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like, okay, we're just going to throw some new elements in here. Yeah, I listened to the like first third of the book on the audiobook, and yeah. the first, the Troll Queen. Yeah, because she talks like this. And it's very funny. It's it was wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was fun reading a book with different perspectives, which I feel is such a YA narrative device. Yes. Um, yeah, so you but, can get inside other people's heads. Yeah, and actually at the uh, the afterword of the book, Edith Patu said that she had just read The Poisonwood Bible by Barbara Kingsolver oh, interesting. Um, when okay. she was working on this, and also which uses multiple perspectives. Um, and I liked that we're switching between these three really distinct um like modes of being from being a human to being a human trapped in a white bear body to being a troll queen <laughs> like yeah. you have it all yeah no it's true <laughs> and learning the words that they use for one another too was really interesting like the trolls calling humans soft skins yeah Um, and all of, yeah, they're just different ways of viewing one another. Um, this was a really unique framing of trolls that I found really interesting. Um, and I don't know a ton about Norwegian mythology. Um, the depictions of trolls that I've seen, uh, are don't match up with what we read here. So I would be interested. Yeah. If no, yeah, this one's, this one definitely is unique. Um, I know that much because trolls typically aren't depicted as being clever like this, um, or beautiful or attractive, appealing. Um, and to be fair, it does seem like the troll queen is using her arts as she says, um, to be beautiful, but we never get like, a, you know, a hideous reveal of her at the end or anything like that. Now she just um, dies. Yeah, I thought that was really... So the plot was um, very, like, soothing to me. I really enjoyed it, actually, because it's such a relatively straightforward adventure. Mm, yeah. um, but I actually really enjoyed being in that. And there was one line in the book that I felt like was kind of a meta commentary on what the book was like, where... It's Rose who's saying she realized that the way to live life is actually in the small everyday moments rather than in these like bigger goals or things that you're setting and that she's reflecting on how she maintained her sanity when she was in the castle by like doing her laundry Mm -hmm. every day and like appreciating every little tactile moment in every task that she does and I feel like there was a lot of that in this book that I just found like very pleasurable yeah Um, and I think that's one way in which it feels really poetic as well um, because you're really 
seeing and thinking through all the ways that Rose is surviving in these different environments. And she also comments when she's with Malmo that there's this satisfaction in getting a job well done, but it also means that you will survive another day because you did the job correctly. Yeah. Um, and just like finding fulfillment in every thing that you do, which yeah. I know that sounds like a really basic concept, but it's one that's easy well, it's to tough. lose sight of. Yeah, it's, it's, it's basic, but it's really hard, I think. Yeah, um, especially in... in we live in a society. Society. <laughs> it is difficult to make that the forefront of your daily focus. And I do, like, habitually when I'm in, uh, like, when I'm not feeling well emotionally or mentally or whatever, I do like to do just, like, little chores, like, make the house nicer, mm-hmm. tidy, organize, like, do a little bit of decorating. Like, I, I find that very soothing as well. So mm-hmm. that, like, that gelled well with me. Yeah, and I like that she's connecting like these small domestic moments to something as grand as seeing, you know, the northern lights at the ice bridge at the edge of the world and the fact that they're really one and the same. Yeah. And it all means that you are alive, you are living. Uh, There's also this really beautiful passage that made me think of the end of The Tombs of Atuan by Ursula K. Le Guin when Tanar has escaped And is out in the world with Ged. And um, there's a line that is something like living, being in the world was a greater and stranger thing than she had ever dreamed. Mm. Um, And once the uh, white bear has become a man again, when he's kind of nameless and figuring out what happens next, there is a passage from him where he says, I was eager, hungry to live a normal life, to walk on two legs, to play the flauto, mm. to eat with a spoon, crack an egg with my fingers and cook it in a pan, an omelet with fresh herbs brown at the edges, drink a mug of good ale. I was free after a very, very long time. And he goes on to say that he wants to do those things with Rose. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's also an expression of love, like to be able to do these small the everyday, everyday tasks stuff, yeah. with someone that you care about. It's all, yeah, even as I'm saying it, it sounds very simple, but I think it's very difficult to express in a meaningful way. And yeah. I think that Edith Patu really, really succeeded yeah. in doing that. It can seem trite, I feel like, or just mm-hmm. like not um, like substanceless self-help or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you can, if, if you can actually bring yourself to believe it (laughs) and get yourself to a place where you can feel it. It's like so, so incredibly true. And you're right. She does a a good job of actually instilling that and communicating that without it seem like annoying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the prose is really lovely throughout. And also because of the perspective shifts, we get, um, these different passages, mostly from the white bear that do read just like poems Mm -hmm. because he has less access to language, um, but is still, he's really expressing more like these instinctual sort of urges um, rather than being able to be more eloquent Mm -hmm. like his human self. Um, But I really enjoyed that too. Yeah, I liked the way that his lines were written a lot. Um, So... I think it's very funny that two books in a row we have discussed a human-animal-slash-human relationship. 
that and there's slavery in both books. I know. <laughs> I know. There were, if you haven't listened to our last episode on Trickster's Choice by Tamara Pierce, there's a weird number of parallels. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Um, surprising. But I do actually like the relationship between the white bear and Rose. And it doesn't seem coercive or inappropriate because they actually probably are at a similar intellectual level. Yeah. Even though he's been around for like 150 years. I mean, I think the complicated... Because he was a bear. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I I think the complicated thing is that he's been stuck in bear brain for so many years that there are moments where he like retreats deeper into that and it's hard for him to connect, which is expressed as him having like crazy bear eyes <laughs> yeah of just and, being like i'm gonna eat you yeah <laughs> when rose is like oh no let me hide um but he's never actually aggressive or angry toward her and this is one way in which um yeah so hannah mentioned in her recommendation that reminded her of kind of the snow queen crossed with beauty and the beast which i totally agree i thought of both of those frequently throughout um and the snow queen is one of my very favorite fairy tales um i love it so much i as a child received a an illustrated edition of it that was illustrated by Mary Inglebright, I believe. Hmm. Um, yes, by Mary Inglebright. I'll put the cover on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com. Um, but I that book, that story really resonates with me um, for a few reasons. It's a brother and sister <laughs> taking care of each other. It's also a young girl going to save a young boy rather than the other way around. Yeah. Um, and the boy being entranced by and then, uh, yeah, cursed by a beautiful ice queen. <laughs> um, it's through a splinter of ice in his heart in the Snow Queen as opposed to um, drugged slank. <laughs> slank is slank. such a funny word. <laughs> and yeah, every time the narrator said it as the troll queen, it said slank. slank. I just <laughs> loved it. I loved it. Um, I'm sorry, the narrator of the book is not, I don't have that in front of me, um, but she did an amazing job. Um, and then I, so I, I loved any anything that is reminiscent of the Snow Queen. Um, there's also specifically a Norwegian fairy tale called East of the Sun and West of the Moon mm. that this is a retelling of. Um, and it has all the same basic elements wherein there's a white bear who is a cursed prince who has to live in a castle and needs a maiden to come and stay with him and he sleeps in the bed with her but she can't see him and then she does see him and it you know throw upends everything and then she has to save him okay and she does it by going to the different winds and getting different tokens from them that help her ultimately find him and defeat the troll queen okay um the piece that I don't like is the sleeping in bed without uh, her being able to like know what's happening. Yeah, that's that's not who great. he is. What's happening? That made me really uncomfortable. But I know that's a super common uh, fairy tale trope. Actually, yeah, like it's even named as an archetype um, in fairy tales. Uh, 
There is, yeah, and folktales classified as tail type ATU425A. Goodness. The search for the lost husband or the animal as bridegroom. The maiden breaks a taboo or burns the husband's animal skin. And to atone, she must wear down a numbered pair of metal shoes. Then she asks for help of the sun, the moon, and the wind. And then the main feature is bribing the false bride for three nights with the husband. So there's like a lot of weird back and forth of like, I need a night alone with him to figure this out. Um, And then the like blinding and the light not working is a part of that and like keeping the mystery or like making it impossible for her to break the curse. That also Um, sounds very complicated. So that that makes (laughs) sense why the magic in this book is so complicated. Yes, it does. Um, and I also just loved uh, getting to see instead of it just being like at first I felt like okay we're in Norway I feel like this is just going to be super white but then she does work with the indigenous people of Greenland Mm -hmm. um, once she gets there and it's I didn't feel that it I, I felt like the uh, narrative was really respectful of them. Yeah, and, me too. Um, also, uh, like Malmo is one of the coolest characters. In Malmo is the, so dope. The book, yeah, um, and we genuinely get to like learn a lot from her and about her. Without, she didn't feel. I was a little worried at first that she would feel like a like magical Indian type figure. Right. Yeah. Um, but I ultimately did not feel that that was the case. Yeah, she just felt like a, a maternal figure who is also magic, and uh, like she she was the shaman of the tribe, mm-hmm. you know, or mm-hmm. the the town or village. Yeah, or it's cool to have a female shaman too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked her character a lot. So. Edith Patu also, I, I could just feel like her love of exploring mm. and of history and of the world. I feel like that all came through really powerfully. Yeah. Um, and she did, uh, she says in the afterward that she did a ton of research um, because she had to learn about weaving, compasses, map making, uh, seamanship, yeah. Scandinavian languages. Norway in the 16th century, the Inuit people, Norse mythology, the Arctic, and polar bears. And she <laughs> said her local zoo, she lives in Ohio now, but she grew up in Chicago. Oh, no way. She's from... Lincoln uh, Park Zoo? Uh, well, Brookfield? She, she's... <laughs> let me finish. <laughs> she grew up in Evanston, um, and she said that... Because her local zoo doesn't have polar bears, she went to Chicago while doing research for the book, and she didn't say which zoo, but mm. it's either Lincoln Park Zoo or Brookfield Zoo, <laughs> Chicago Zoo, high of rest. And she said, as I stood watching and taking notes about the large male polar bear, a family came up to the railing beside me, and I heard one of the children say, Oh, he looks so lonely, which sums up my white bear perfectly lonely and waiting. And there is such a loneliness to polar bears. I feel that. And I think in our lifetimes, we largely see them as an endangered species whose habitat is rapidly disappearing. Right. There's just a picture of a polar bear on an ice floe. Yeah. There's just, there's so much footage of of a a bear just looking down at water encroaching on its habitat. Um, and Edith Patu's website is amazing when you get to the homepage, um, 
it it just says like you can visit my gallery to see some pictures of me and of course, a lot of good-looking polar bears. <laughs> Gallery does have, like, her pictures, and then there's a tab that's just, like, polar bears. Oh, that's cute. And it says, like, in my time researching East, I collected a lot of bear photos. Um, and, yeah, I, I've, I also love bears very much, um, and I, I totally felt that lovely loneliness throughout the narrative. Yeah. And she got to see fjords. She went to Norway, too. And I want to see a fjord. What exactly is a fjord? It's a cliff over a sea. Oh, okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Simple. Ah. <laughs> um, and the last piece that I thought was really cool, and I loved the actual um, historical component coming in at the end, oh, yeah. is that when the white bear finds out who he is, there's a great passage where Rose runs into the castle after tracking him down again and says, I love you. I love you. <laughs> Before he can disappear they're again. both having a tough time expressing that to one another, which makes sense. They've been through a yeah. lot of weird stuff and suddenly yeah. it's like, oh, we're both human and we can express this, but like, how do we do it? Another thing I liked about their relationship, it was awkward, which yes. felt real. There was a lot of natural awkwardness. Yes. Like naturally sweet awkwardness. Yeah. Um, she says, I love you. And then he says, Charles. <laughs> and she's like, what? He, and he's I like, he that's my him, name. Did he call himself Charles? Charles. Okay. Charles. The narrator sounded like he was saying Charles. No, uh, it's Charles. Okay. <laughs> Although I like thinking of Charles as a I name. I thought it was like his nickname for Charles. And his name is Charles Pierre Philippe. Um, and his dad was Charles VI of France, who was known as the Mad King because of his significant mental illness. Um, and it was actually his disinherited son, who Joan of Arc then rest- helped restore to the throne. So... Very storied history. Edith Patu said that she just wanted to find an actual figure who fit the white bear's story. Mm. So she looked for a king of France who's who had a son who died around that age. Okay. And he had a nine-year-old son who died. That makes sense. So that's Charles Pierre Philippe. So, okay. Things I liked a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful book. Wonderful, wonderful book. Yeah, it was very fun to listen to. Let's let's talk about animals, just like animals. In this book. Reindeer. Reindeer is so lovely. Oh my gosh. I love that when Rose is in the troll kingdom, she's so hungry. She's starving to death because she's not drinking her drugged slank. And that's where most of her nutrients would be coming from. It's the slank. Um, she's being beaten daily, um, having to complete menial labor while also being within achingly close touch of the white bear man, but mm-hmm. unable to do anything while she yeah. watches his wedding be planned. It's agonizing, but there's a passage where she's just like, but the reindeer, (laughs) she gets to work in the stables for a while and take them out for their exercise and just the descriptions of the beautifully white, furry, sweet reindeer. Oh, it just made me ache. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to pet reindeers. (laughs) I would also like that. Yeah. I feel like. 
I will go to Norway someday. I married into a, an extremely Norwegian family. Um, you guys got to go look at the fjords. Yeah, we really do. And my uh, uh, mother-in-law has a lot of very close friends in Norway. So hopefully we can go one day and I can live out some of these um, fantasies. But You will. And uh, then aside from that, um, I mean... We can't really call the white bear man an animal, but I do love the visuals of a white bear just like roaming around a castle, yeah. roaming through the woods. Everyone in the region having varying degrees of like, we've all seen this white bear just like chilling, but we're in France. I'm <laughs> like, that doesn't make sense. What's he doing here? Um, and yeah, different degrees of like, oh, a child said they saw a white bear. Okay. To like, oh, that very drunk man keeps saying that he sees a white bear um, who actually gives Rose's dad like the first real clue that this is real (laughs) like actually happening and not just a shared hallucination that their family had. Drunk people can see stuff too. Yes if there's one lesson Thor teaches us that's that's gotta be it. Did he see much though? (laughs) (laughs) Tried to kill all of them. No, I'm yeah, I'm <laughs> mostly joking. Thor is a pretty tragic figure, He's but he does. Mess. But he gets sober. Yeah, then he he meets a handsome Inuit lady. Yeah, I he, think they say he <laughs> makes a friend, a special friend, and he <laughs> finds one of his uh, crew who survived the storm. Yes, and the two of them are figuring out if they can yeah go into business together. Mm-hmm. Um, good stuff. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, other animals. Uh, there's lots of seals that are eaten. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, that's gonna be it for now for animals, just like animals yeah. in this book. Right? Malmo turns into a bird. Malmo turns into a petrel, which is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. A patrol. <laughs> a patrol. <laughs> Okay, closing out the animals. Let's discuss pretend food. Some of that pretend food. Give me a cup of slang. <laughs> don't drug it, please. I got things to do. <laughs> That's my slang song. <laughs> but I am curious about trying it. Oh, yeah, I would definitely try it at least once. Sounds kind of nice. It blur you out a bit. <laughs> I said the non-drug slang. <laughs> you want the drug slang? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, just put a, just some opiates in there. Yeah, it's fine. Put a little opium in your protein drink. <laughs> I mean, don't knock it till you tried it. Um, yes, I feel like it falls into that category of, you know, that we've been working on throughout the podcast of like magical fantasy drinks that make you feel good. Malak. Yes. From Malak Hero and the Crown. Hero and the Crown, as well as the Blue Sword. Um, then in the Circle of Magic books, there's Mm. also a tea. Well, in Tamara Beers, there's lots of. Yeah, good, like, warming special beverages. Um, Slank is a horrible word, but it feels so fitting with the trolls and, like, the troll language. It makes me think of, like, a just kind of a giant bulbous creature. 
It's just like lumping around a in slunk. a cave somewhere. <laughs> a slank. Beware the slank. <laughs> I do. I think Edith Patu did a really good job with the languages in the book because mm. the troll language, I assume, is not a real language that she's using. Um, that would be fair because there's no, I mean, because the Inuit are in, the Inuit people are in the story. Mm-hmm. Like they, their have, language is used. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it can't be based off that. Maybe it's like based off of, since it is North mythology, Norse mythology, um, maybe it's it based, off, based of off something, something. Like that like runic or something. Yeah. Maybe the same way that Tolkien used Norwegian languages right. and Scandinavian languages for the basis of, um, all of his stuff. If she went that deep, but it sounds like she kind of did. There's also a variation of East of the Sun and West of the Moon in uh, Tolkien's The Road Goes Ever On and On song. Mm, Fun little tidbit since we're already mentioning him. Um, Okay, so please uh, let us know what you think slank tastes like. I was picturing like apple cider, but... um, a ton of like deep spice of some sort, like chili cinnamon vibes, but then also it would be like heavier. I thought um, of it as like thick with maybe I don't know. Honey? I, I put a lot of whole milk in my coffee. It's like mostly mm. whole milk. So I was thinking of like Oh, I wasn't picturing it as being dairy like at all. Oh, okay. Well, that's why it was like something thicker. Because they had the mm. reindeer, they could milk them. They did. They yeah. talked about reindeer milk. Yeah. When Thor is discussing possibly getting sober, he's like, I hear they have some fermented reindeer milk. And I was like, mm. great. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be good for your sobriety. <laughs> um, then there are a lot of ales that Thor drinks on the ship. I can't believe that he sells the incredible magical golden dress that Rose has woven and sewn and then just fills the ship with beer. Does my booze allowance. And there's just there's so many good visuals in this book um, of him lying on the ship deck with his broken arm and leg. Just dribbling ale out of a cask next to him and like screaming songs about the Valkyrie (laughs) as Rose is trying frantically to sew up the sail and like hoist it. Um, It's great. Although I I never want to spend time like that (laughs) trapped on a ship with a Thor. Um, But I, you know, he, he comes around in the end, I suppose. Yeah, and she needs him. He's, he's very unpleasant. Like, fact of the matter is she can't do the boat by herself. So he is, like, important. But it would have been an easier journey if he hadn't screwed everything up so bad. That's right. <laughs> as well as the cruel, the cruelest mistress, the sea. Yeah, I was surprised when she found him and then she, like, started tending his wounds and stuff and didn't just, like, slap him and be like, you moron. He was almost dead. I know. <laughs> Maybe just a little slap. And then. No, and she has that moment, too, where she's just sitting, looking so, out at sea and, yeah. like, what am I going to do? And then she pulls it together, as yeah. Rose so often does. Yeah. Then the other beverage that sounded really good to me that Rose gets at one point is some apple mead. Yum. Mm. It sounds amazing. Um, she then gets pretty hungry 
It's yeah. a hungry book, yeah. uh, 100%. Rose is varying degrees of starving at many different points throughout the tale. Um, she has to subsist on toffee and honey in the freezing wilderness after the castle disappears, as well as uh, some dried up carrots and beans that she finds in the bottom of a random barn pail. Um, so no wonder she is very ill when uh, Sophie, is that her name, Sophie? Yeah. Finds her. Mm-hmm. Um, I also would like to delve into something that she just mentions once, but helps secure her passage on Thor's ship. She is saying that she can cook, and one of Thor's men says, could you manage to make, what does he say, can you manage to make a raspberry cake out of like some old flour and bread? And she says, no, but I could probably manage Rummy grut, if you have a measure of flour, and he's like, good lass. <laughs> like, he's very happy. Rummy grut. So, <laughs> what I, is it? Yeah, I tried to look up the correct pronunciation. That's as far as I can tell. Rummy grut is how you pronounce it in Norwegian. Um, that's the best I can do right now. I did, upon looking it up, okay, let's talk about what it is, then I'll share this. Rummy grut. So, <laughs> it's a porridge of sorts like porridgey pudding um that is made with you know your basics like flour sugar eggs um and i guess technically the name part of it means sour cream so at some point it was made with sour cream but now it sounds like that's not always necessarily the case um some uh, accounts of it that were written in English that I could actually read say um, that it's typically enjoyed either as a side dish, like special holiday treat where you put melted butter and cinnamon sugar on top of it, um, or as a simpler meal served plain with soda crackers for dipping along with milk. I found a video um, from something called Alt for Norge, I, I have no idea how to pronounce this, um, which means all for Norway, although I guess it was marketed in the United States as the Great Norway Adventure. It is a Norwegian reality TV show um, that features Norwegian Americans participating in challenges relating to Norwegian history and culture, competing to win a reunion with their distant Norwegian relatives, which, what? That wow. amazing. <laughs> Okay. It sounds really amazing. Um, But I had to look it up because I found this video that was so mysterious to me, which is just a bunch of Americans whining about eating rummy crunch. (laughs) (laughs) One One of them literally says, this tastes like the glue I used to eat. No further explanation. I were eating glue, son. It's an amazing video. Um, and they're also like, you can tell that the producers are kind of poking fun at the Americans because they're all being so ridiculous. And it clearly is just like a nice little porridge and they're all like, gross. So that must be a challenge in this show to like enjoy rummy crut. Okay. I'll put the link on our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com. I mean, like kind of like sweet oatmeal or sweet um, like cocoa wheats or malt oatmeal or whatever. Well, yeah, it doesn't have any actual, like it's just flour in it. So it doesn't right. have a heartier grain. So I think that's where some of the like paste like mentions are. It sounds are like a nice from. texture. I like it that good. texture. Yeah. Here. 
I'll put up a recipe I found as well <laughs> from afarmgirlsdabbles.com. Dabbles? <laughs> um, any Norwegians out there, let us know if you eat that today. It's kind of like a, a custard yeah. then. Yeah, totally. That, that looks delicious. Shut up, Americans. <laughs> <laughs> We've heard enough from you <laughs> and down. from ourselves. Yeah. And then the only other pretend food mentions I have um, are just a variety of bears supplied meats. Like I thought it was fascinating to see what the white bear was procuring for Rose when he was taking it through the wilderness, which was seal and then on land badger and stone. And you know how we feel about badgers around here. I feel a little weird about eating them. Um, But Rose cooked them over the fire and enjoyed them. So girls got to do what a girl's got to do. Yeah, it's I mean... Because subsistence hunting is, I mean, honestly, one of the most um, cruelty-free yeah, of course. ways to, that's why, you know, because of course it's like, it's hard to read, like, oh yeah, you <laughs> clubbed and skinned the seal, <laughs> but um, it's a lot, a lot friendlier to the animal than like existing in a factory farm. So of course, yeah. and there is a really beautiful approach to how yeah. hunting works that mm-hmm. Malmo gives us, and that she sings over the meat before they prepare it, um, giving thanks for it. And there's also, and I also like the way it was realistically portrayed where it's like, it's really shocking because there's all this red blood on the white Mm -hmm. ice and that's the only color that they see when they're out in the wilderness. I, that part of the book was so beautiful. I mean, it was kind of agonizing, but also really beautiful. Yeah. 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 A very harsh climate. Yes. Harsh, but special in its way. Let's select our badass ladies. My badass lady is Rose. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I rate her all of the moonlight dresses that she can weave. Mm. Um, so I said I would talk about her more and I hadn't gotten around to it yet. So let's do it right now. I want to talk about Rose's mother. Mm. Um, I think she was a tricky character and I did have a few issues with the way that she's written because she kind of comes off as like a foolish woman who is stuck in her superstitions to the point that she can't be reasonable. Um, And I feel like there was more to explore there in terms of why she is so beholden to them. And if you stop and reflect, it's like, well, she was told that her Northborn child would die and she had another child already die. Um, So that's incredibly painful and terrifying. And for her, like it's, it's what she believes in. It's, Mm -hmm. it's her like religion basically. Right. Exactly. Right. So it felt kind of disrespectful that everyone in the family was just like, she's crazy. Um, And I didn't like that the conflict between her and her husband was totally framed as like, it's all because of the mom. Like she's the problem. The husband is perfect. You know what I'm. You know what I'm saying. I do. Yeah. The thing that turned me more against the mom is just like, it, I just think she she never did a good enough job of loving Rose for who she was. I agree. That that was the thing. Which because what you're saying is I thought, totally true. And that piece I thought was written well and mm-hmm. realistically. Yeah. Like I felt that 
pain and I felt the But it was on the dad too, like that everything happened. No, totally. And I mean, I felt the pain and disconnect between like on both sides of Rose not being who her mom would maybe want her to be in a way that she sees like as for Rose's own sake, you know, to like, this is how she sees she can be safe and happy and fulfilled because that's what she, the mom wants. You know what I mean? She's not actually seeing her as a separate human person. She's seeing her as an extension of herself. Yeah. Which is, yeah, can be a common thing. It's a tough situation. Like just between Rose and her mom, period. Yeah. Yeah. But I think her mom deserves a little more grace than she gets in the narrative, at least. Um, but she's not my baddest lady. <laughs> <laughs> but I did just want to. I did just want to mention that. But that also made it feel more like a fairy tale retelling because she yeah. was the kind of parent that typically exists yeah. in a fairy tale, mm-hmm. where it's like a white bear wants to take you. Go this Get other daughter here. who I want to be with me more is sick. Exactly. It'll make her better. Yeah. Um, and then also the kind of tireless searching on her father's part for Rose. Um, but then there's small things that the mom, I guess they're like portrayed as small in the narrative, but she like buys the loom from the horrible widow and puts it in a place of honor in their house. Like, so clearly she yeah. is waiting for Rose to return. Right. And it's very clear. She loves Rose. She's just not always the best at communicating that. And she ultimately does, which is important. Yeah. Yeah. She does. She says like, I love you for you. That's and true. Rose says that she didn't realize how much she needed to hear it. And just thinks it that that comes like after her entire childhood. Yeah. <laughs> agree. <laughs> I agree. Tough stuff. So my badass lady is Malmo. She's, as I said, incredible and gets the coolest exit in the book. My rating for Malmo is... The finest story knife in all the land, Mm. capable of telling tales throughout the entirety of the vast blizzard. Cool. I love the story knife. Yeah, no, it was really cool. Um, I hadn't really heard about that type of tradition before. Yeah, same. It was really cool. Okay, so that's our episode on East by Edith Patu. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again, Hannah, for requesting this. Yeah. We loved reading it. It was lovely. And I know seasonally, as I said, this doesn't really make sense, but it was nice to have a blast of Arctic air at the end of August. Yeah. So I will take it. If you would like to make a request, you can email us at dragonbabiespodcast.com or get in touch on any of our platforms. Our website, dragonbabiespodcast.com. Our Instagram is at dragonbabiespodcast. Twitter at dragonbabiespod. Oh, and and if you want to see some some weird art, some of which I draw while we tape the podcasts, Mm -hmm. um, some inspired by the podcast uh, books that we do, check out my Instagram, pig and doodles. That's Pig, letter N, doodles. <laughs> I cannot spell doodles and I shan't. Uh, on Instagram and I'm going to be uh, hopefully opening up an Etsy shop soon, which is really Yay. exciting. Yeah, we'll um, keep, keep you all posted. Yeah, I'll post, post stuff about that on my Instagram too. But anyways, yeah, check all of our social media out. Our next book will be The Seer and the Sword by Victoria Hanley. Yeah. So stick around. Let's see the sword. (laughs) Let's see it.
I want her sand. I'm the seer. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, we're doing a little bit better at getting episodes out on a regular schedule. So Ooh. hopefully that'll be out within a few weeks. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. I'm Grace. And I'm Madeline. Until next time. Farewell. <laughs>